Hey, Daniela, how are you? Good, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. I, I'm i so excited we're recording today because I recently listened to a podcast and I would love to share with you what I learned. Okay, yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Tara Brock. She does kind of she does kind of like spiritual TED Talks. That's how I describe it to people. But I really, really enjoy her pace and all the examples she gives. She gives a lot of examples. And then during her talk, she does interactive like meditations and stuff like that. So you can reflect immediately on what she's saying. And it really, really vibes with me. And so I've been walking a lot lately outside because it's nice. It's nice outside finally. Yeah. Um, so I've been walking and listening to her and I was listening to one episode and it was called How Hope Can Heal Us. Sorry, How Hope Can Heal and Free Us. Um, and it was really just a deep dive into hope. Um, and I've I've never actually really thought about hope before. I've been in parts of my life when I was hopeless. Um but other than that, I've always pictured hope as this bright, beautiful beam um, that can help us and heal us and stuff like that. But I never really like dove into what it is. So she she was kind of giving it more depth and she was saying hope is potential. So it's this sense that there's something more. And she kind of went into are you a hopeful person? Are you genuinely hopeful? Like how, what are you on that scale? So we kind of did like an exercise on that. And I was like, yeah, I'm a really hopeful person. Like, <laughs> I think I am. And then um, she kind of went more into uh, hope and was breaking it down. And this is when my realization came and I was like, oh my gosh, because she was like, there is a shadow side of hope. So there is egoic hope um, or ego, you know, egoic. Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, and that really happens when people narrow their sights on what we really want. So it, it's thinking that we want this certain thing in life, like a very narrow hope for one thing. And it's, it's coming from the feeling of lack. It's not coming mm-hmm. from the feeling of love and abundance. It's coming from like, we need that one thing or we're not going to be happy with where we are. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of interesting because I looked at stuff that I thought I was really hopeful for. And I'm like, no, really, I have that hope because I'm afraid of it not happening. Mm. Can you give us an example? Of yeah, so... I know that I can lose weight and I have so much hope that I can because I've always done it before, but I think there is still a fear of if I don't, I will be unhappy. Oh, this is actually funny. You're talking about weight because I was just thinking the same thing earlier. Yeah. Yeah. How do, how do you vibe with that? Do you feel hopeful about, something even if it is weight I feel hopeful about it but I um yeah maybe there is like a little bit of fear of it not happening or like if it doesn't happen then I'll be upset or something Mm -hmm. because I've worked hard to try to get there you know wow yeah I wonder if weight's like a theme in the last couple days like 
I don't know. I, today I was kind of feeling the energy a little weird. And even my body was like really bloated today and like just weird. And I was like kind of like checking in with my higher self. And I was like, is it something that I ate or something I didn't do or did? or? And it was like, no. And then I was like, well, then why is today like a weird day? Like, why am I so like bloated and weird? And I kind of felt like there was a lot of things integrating right now. And I'm going to ask yeah. our guest because maybe she has some <laughs> insights, but like, I, I don't know, like different higher, like our energies are changing or something. And there's a lot of like downloads happening or something like the, our bodies are trying to adjust in some ways, like the message that I got. And maybe I'm feeling a little like bloated or big or whatever, because I'm trying to take in whatever energy this is and like integrate it. It's so funny that you say that too, because um, I had another kind of like realization about weight separate from this hope thing. Um, I realized that there are cycles and especially I think especially for feminine, this is what my intuition says, but there's weight cycles. So the point of our bodies is to gain weight in the harvest and then use that body fat to survive the cold of the winter. And then we're supposed to lose it in the summer where there's like energy, this, the, the sun is out longer. We can, we can go outward and like do all these active things hunt more or something, gather more, whatever it is. And then we should go inward and kind of rest for the winter. And that's when we have more weight on us. And I think for me, I've never been okay with cycles and trusting cycles. And I've always kind of like fought it. So I, I would just keep gaining because I wasn't allowing my body to like do what it should do. Do you know what I mean? So maybe what you're experiencing is actually just a cycle and you need to trust that you're being healthy, you're doing healthy things and your body will respond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm going to try doing some like clearing or something around that. Um, But anyway, I'll see if anything comes out because I don't know if it's a subconscious thing, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like an old fear. It's so deep you know, for me. Yeah. So hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get some like rituals or some tips and tricks from our guests today, or maybe even a healing. I don't know what her view on all this is. So do you want to introduce her? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm so excited for our guest. Um, we have Nikki Starcat Shields today. She is a published author of five books. She's a licensed pagan priestess, which I'm so excited to learn about because I don't know anything about paganism. Um, She teaches people to be thriving artists, um, writing their heartfelt books while also nurturing themselves and their creative lives. So I'm so excited. Hi, Nikki. Hello. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm wondering if you were getting anything on the little conversation we had. Yeah, I was loving that you were talking about the cycles, Danielle, because um, that's something that I've written about and worked with a lot is cycles, not only the seasonal cycles that you were talking about, but also the the moon, the lunar cycles. And so, yeah, there's definitely cycles and it's really 
highly tied in with the feminine in my in my view of it. So that makes a lot of sense right now. And I'm not an astrologer, but I'm just going to reference that right now we're going from the sun sign of um, we're going into Taurus after being in Aries. So maybe like right now, like today when we're recording this. So <laughs> maybe that's your body kind of you know, going from one mode to another. Aries is kind of like fiery and let's get moving in the spring energy. And then Taurus is more like grounded and settled. So maybe your body's just like, yeah, we're just going to let our gravitational, you know, flow be like grounded today and, and uh, rest. So. Yes. And I was getting the message to rest. Cool. Like after this podcast, I need to like, just do a meditation and like rest and like drink tea. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Allow the flow, you know? Yeah. I love that you checked in with your higher self too. That's such an important thing. Cause we have a lot more wisdom than we think we do. You know, we know the answers. Yeah. And I think it's um, for me, it's like a little hidden behind fear sometimes that I'm constantly checking in with her because I'm like, I'm like, well, am I gaining weight? Like, it's like this weird, like I have to ask because I'm like, it's, it's a subconscious fear that I need to work through around weight because mm-hmm. I've always been like struggling um, with releasing the old. Ah. I'll put it that way. Nice. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's time. I think it's kind of a, a thing for women in this culture too to be so sensitive around our weight and our and part of it to me seems almost like a psychological is like how much space we're taking up in the world. You know, we want it like the ideal is to be thin and and like svelte like these models who as you know, as has become known, like they're not that healthy. They're like way too thin <laughs> in a lot of cases. And so we're trying to become invisible and pleasing and instead of just being our wild selves <laughs> and it's actually funny because like I mean I have a lot more self-acceptance body love than ever in probably any lifetime but I um it's interesting that you say that because I feel like it's like weird because no one even cares that's the funny, that's the conundrum of it, right? Like no one even cares, like whether you're 20 pounds heavier or 20 pounds smaller, like doesn't really change a whole lot of people's view on how, you know, beautiful or not beautiful because beauty yeah. comes from within, right? So people are seeing like your personality and like your face and like your, you know, and they're not really looking at like, oh, wow, she has 20 pounds on her, you know, like, <laughs> especially like, you know, in relationships too, I haven't. I mean, and if you are in a relationship where you're per- the person cares about that, then that's probably not the right relationship because you should be loved unconditionally. But I feel like most high vibe relationships, like they accept you for who you are and what, you know, what you look like. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So Nikki, tell us more about your journey. Cause I know you said you didn't start off as an author. I didn't. Well, maybe I did. Because when I was a little kid, I just sort of seemed to come into this life loving words and stories and books. And my mom did read to me a lot. So I'm sure that had an influence. But I just I love to read. And I wanted to be a writer. Anytime when I was a little girl, anyone said, like, do you want to what do you want to be when you grow up? I'd be like a writer. And that was like, people, I think just thought it was cute and nice until you hit like, 
like middle school or high school. And then it's like, oh, well, you can't really do that. And I'm 51. So back then it was like the 80s and it was a whole different publishing world than we have now. We have a lot more freedom now for self-publishing. But back then it was like, you're going to get a thousand rejection slips. You'll die from starvation. You can't make a living as a writer. And so I kind of like was like, oh, okay, well, what can I do then? Um, and I, over time, kind of decided that I would uh, become a journalist because that's a kind of writer that generally can make a living, especially then when it was, you know, there wasn't even the internet yet. So it was like, you know, okay, you can probably, you know, if you're a good writer, you can probably get a job as a journalist. Well, journalism, I found out in college, um, is a very high pressure, deadline oriented kind of a career. And my body just was like, completely against that. Like that's not working for me. Stress and me don't go well together. So I ended up um, having my first career was in public broadcasting in the, um, well, I was on the air as in like, I would announce the next show and say the weather. So think NPR coming up next on NPR, Diane Ream, you know, that kind of thing. But also I was in the background and I had this great mentor. Um, and so I worked for him for many years and was doing, you know, programming, what shows should go at what times, you know, managing people, that sort of thing. And it was, it was a fine career. The people were really awesome and nice. It was ethical, you know, like it's public radio, they're doing good things. And all that was, you know, that, that was great, but it wasn't my calling. And I feel like my muses kind of kept tapping me on the shoulder. Like, you need to write, you need to write. And also in college, I had had a creative writing class, so writing fiction, and I had had a horrible experience where the teacher, and it, she would, she didn't just do this to me, she did this to everybody. She was trying to be hard-nosed and make people realistic about the, at the time, really hard-to-break-into field of writing. So she would criticize you really harshly. Well, again, that didn't sit well with this sensitive kid. You know, I was like, oh my God, I'm a terrible writer. I'm not ever going to do this. So I had sort of tamped it down a lot. And then when the muses kept on kind of coming back, um, I became a mom and I had two kids and we homeschooled them and just seeing their wild creativity, like little kids are creative right off the bat. Like they're just are, they don't care. Look, I made this artwork. They don't care what it looks like. They're just like, I had so much fun. And so I kind of learned from them to open up more to my creativity and then kind of, um, through, so I was the breadwinner for a while. My husband was with the kids and then we kind of switched roles. So I was homeschooling them when they were a little older. And so I had more time and I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And um, I still worked at the radio station a little bit, like very part-time, but I had time to kind of be like, oh, I could maybe try writing again. And <laughs> came back around to now, I wouldn't say that I'm making a living with just my writing. I'm making a living as a writer and a writing coach and a leader of writing retreats. So that's all, but it's all words and it's helping other people with their stories. And so it's all, and I don't harshly criticize them because I just had such a horrible experience with that. You know, I just, I encourage people and help them. And so that I'm making a living with my love of words. And so it's kind of fun to be like, yeah, okay. And granted the world has changed a lot and enabled that to happen, the internet and the self-publishing world and Amazon and all of that. But, you know, it, it can be done. You can include your creativity in, in your things that you do to make a living. That's amazing. How do you go about publishing a book? Um, well, there's several ways. You can still do the traditional publisher route and get a literary agent and, you know, go 
to publishers. Um, my first book was actually published with a traditional publisher, but I didn't go out seeking it. It kind of came to me. I was um, on this uh, Facebook group because I love books and it was pagan. I'll talk to you guys about paganism in a bit, but like it was a pagan book uh, publisher and the editor who was running it, you know, messaged me and said, oh, I think you'd like our our books. Da, 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 da. And I said, well, I actually write because I was writing by then I was writing for a little like easy, like easy kind of thing on, on pagan stuff. And I was like, well, I actually have all these essays that I've, um, you know, p- put out in this small newsletter and, you know, I could do something with that. And he really encouraged me to, you know, collect them. And that, so that was my first book was a collection of essays on living as a pagan. And, but from there I've chosen self-publishing because the way things are now, if, unless you're like a Stephen King and have a huge, you know, like following, the chances are even with a publisher, you're going to be expected to have your own audience and to market and promote your own books. So I figured if I was going to have to do that anyway, I'd rather receive more of the profits and the rewards, you know, from that. Um, so I've done it that way. So it's still good to have help though, to have like an editor, a proofreader, a cover designer, and a writing coach and, you know, things like that, depending on what your needs are. So actually one of my big projects that I'm thinking about doing, like this is a whole new thing, is launching um, the Tidingdale Literary Collective, which will be like a one-stop shopping place for people to come and get all the services they need to independently publish their books. So I, I can help them with writing coaching. We'll have editors on our staff. We'll have proofreaders, cover designers. So um, <laughs> that's very new. I'm putting that together. Like, now <laughs> so. that's actually amazing i'm glad we met you because i i i don't know you have a I, book in you i don't think i have so here's i don't know if this is a thing so i'm gonna ask anyway if i have a book in me can someone write it for me because yeah. i'm like not a writer but i could tell you my story i don't know how i could you know what i mean like i'm more of a talker i feel like if i write it well, I've got some clients who have had like the same question and the same thing. And you know what? Doing voice to text is totally writing. If really? you speak your book that you're writing about. Yeah, absolutely. Now, oh. chances are it'll need some editing in a different way because we don't speak the way we yes, you know, write. But it's I have this one client who, um, oh, she's amazing. Um, Jennifer Elizabeth Moore is her name. And she wrote um, a book on empathy. Um empathic mastery is the name of the book and she um did most of that as voice to text and she recorded classes that she was already giving to students about this and then we made it i helped her we made it into a book so you can totally do this even if you you know you'd rather speak it maybe one day but i definitely want to work with you if if it does happen and i have someone who wants to write a book that would love to work with you sweet yeah, but that's awesome. I love like that that type of thing. See, this is what I love about like you know, the spiritual community and stuff is are these like just crafted businesses that are kind of fitting a need and you can help a lot of people that maybe just don't know how to navigate or don't know how to to do something, right? Like it's not their forte or whatever, so we each bring something to the table. That's kind of the what I do with my business, I don't work necessarily with people who already think they're writers, because if they are, they know what to do. 
but if they're but if you have a book idea or you're aspiring to be a writer or you just like the muses keep tapping you on the shoulder like they did to me then you might need help you know kind of getting started forming a writing habit you know learning your best way to get it out there um starting your author platform which is a fancy word for your audience all those little things that you might not think of if you don't if you've never done it before exciting maybe in like 10 years (laughs) like if you guys want to write a book you already have started your platform because you have this podcast so there you go yeah we'll write a book i love writing (laughs) okay (laughs) get rose book get rose book so um nikki tell us about the paganism how does that kind of flow into who you are and into your business into your writing Yeah, it it totally fits in with my approach to creativity. So I was raised in a family of just agnostics, not in a religion, which is unusual in this culture. Um, People usually were at least somewhat involved in some kind of religion. I wasn't. And um, when I, but my mom did always talk about like mother nature and we really loved going out in nature and we live in the country and, you know, just being really in touch with nature. And when I got to college, I found out that, oh, there's a name for that. It's paganism. Pagan literally means country dweller from way back yeah from roman times and what paganism is and now there's a little saying that you can ask 10 pagans what pagan beliefs are and you'll get at least 12 answers so (laughs) i'm not speaking for everybody but my understanding is that it is an earth-based spirituality um and it's what it's somewhat similar to what our ancestors um, might have practiced. So um, often there will be different, you know, the goddesses and gods. So it's polytheistic. Um, my personal belief is that like everything is is ultimately the divine. Like that's all that is. It's an energy. It's not like a man or a woman in the sky. But I also do work with archetypes and I work with goddesses. Um, and when I first started reading about this and learning about it, it they, the advice was to go back to your own blood roots, if you know what those are. So I'm Celtic ancestry, um, Irish, English, um, Scottish, so all the British styles. So I started researching that and in some of the, like the goddess Brigid is from that. Bridget, yeah. yeah. And so that really, she really resonated with me. So I have, you know, and actually my daughter's name is Bridget after her. So <laughs> as Aww. you can tell, it was really a strong connection. Yeah. Um, so um, when I figured, found out, oh, that's a thing. I guess that's what I am. I started studying it and found out that there were other people. I live in Maine, and it's very rural. And there are other, there were already other people in Maine who identified as pagan. So I kind of found, started finding people, and um, hanging out with them and and learning from each other. And so in 2001, a bunch of us founded. Uh, so the law, in, let me go back to this. The law in Maine says that in order to ordain someone as clergy you there are different ways to do it and one of them is to have an organized um group of clergy so we started such a thing for pagans in maine in 2001 and then began kind of ordaining and licensing um other pagans and the the reason to do that is so that you can perform weddings um and also so you can visit people who like if you there's someone in the hospital who's not in your family who's pagan and wants clergy you can go and and help them out um and that sort of thing so it's kind of grown from there not every state has this i understand but in maine we do have licensed pagans (laughs) that's really cool what um 
Okay. I have a I have a quick question about this. Um, so why is there such a big stigma that paganism is close to? I feel like it's always been a stigma around it being close to like the devil and worshiping evil and stuff like that. How does that play into it? Yeah, that comes from when Christianity was beginning to kind of take over when when Rome adopted Christianity and it was kind of spreading. The people out in the countryside often didn't get this news that there was this whole new religion going on. So they were still worshiping their goddesses and gods. And so that's you know, the pagans out in the countryside. And um, the church, it became a kind of a political thing. The church wanted to take over. And so in order to do that, they kind of cast a negative light on this is like the whole the witches the burning times of witches like oh these women who were really probably eccentric old healers out in the countryside who worked with herbs to heal people they're like oh that's really bad and so paganism actually has nothing to do with the devil because the devil is part of christianity's mythos like there's no devil in most pagan you know religions um but there is you know there are things like pan in the greek you know, Mythos Pan is the, he plays the flute and he's got like the goat legs and the horns and he's the sort of a nature force that kind of became equated with, oh, that's the devil, that's bad, you know. And so over, this happened over centuries and it just became to the point where, you know, as recently as the 1950s, it was illegal, witchcraft was illegal in Britain still. Um, and so it's Wait, just, you did know, you say the 1950s? Uh-huh. <laughs> Those laws were not reversed until the 1950s in Britain. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it became very secretive. Like, if you were a pagan and you wanted to keep your religion, you you often, like, if you were a goddess worshiper, you just said, okay, Mary. I'm talking about Mary. I'm worshiping Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, like, and you'd kind of, like, hide it because otherwise terrible things could happen, you know? And so... Um, now, if we think of witch, I think being a witch is really trendy right now. I think if we think of witches now, we probably think of like candles and crystals and, you know, witchy stuff. But even just recently, it was like, if you think of a witch, you think of the Halloween, right? The stereotype with the green face and the warty nose and all the, you know, ooh, old hag kind of thing. And that was part of devaluing, you know, women's wisdom as the patriarchy took over. So yeah. there's a lot of history and baggage <laughs> around that. Yeah, I feel like no matter what religion you are, whether it's pagan or Catholic or anything, really, you're always susceptible to lower energies. It depends on what, you know, your, your what energy vibe you're at and what your intentions are. Yeah. And that's really all all it comes down to. So I think that we have to realize that nothing is associated to lower energy. It's just like you know, because you could be a Catholic and, and have, you know, lower entities or whatever in your home or around you, whatever, like, it's yeah. not going to save you because you did a prayer, right? Like, you have to raise your vibration and clear your space and learn how to be protective in your sacred boundaries for whatever you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like for a lot of pagans, that some of the practices, like we were talking, you guys were talking about earlier on the call, is, you know, the getting in harmony with the seasons mm -hmm. and the phases of the moon. And I loved Danielle, you're talking about how, you know, you gain some weight over the winter and you're conserving your energy. And then it, in the spring you get active again. And I mean, that's very much the way that this earth-based spirituality goes. Our celebrations are always around like the winter and summer solstice, the fall and spring equinox, the, you know, these seasonal things that just, it. I feel like it helps 
us remember that we're changeable cyclical beings yeah and to your point at the very beginning of it like connecting back to mother earth Mm, we have we have barely any connection to mother earth we don't feel connected at all but yet we're all one right like we're here to be one with with the earth with the trees with everything so i believe that you know, we need to have both our spiritual connections and our earthly connections. Otherwise, we're not living in, in wholeness. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I like talk to trees sometimes and like mountains and people think that that's crazy. Like they're like, what do you mean you like talk to them? And I'm like, like I have a conversation. And it's funny. I was like in Wyoming um, a few weeks back and I was talking to one of the trees and my boyfriend's like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, like, shh, I'm talking to the tree. <laughs> and he, was like, <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. Like, just like, didn't even, he's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, at the end, he's like, what did it say? And I was like, well, it was talking to me about, and I forget like what it was saying, yeah. <laughs> but it was in the moment. Like I knew exactly what it had to say. And um, he was like, oh, he was like, that's, that's like really nice of it to tell you that. And I was like, yeah. Like it was like giving me some feedback, like, yeah, don't like do that or whatever. <laughs> I love it. And I love that it now it feels like these days it's more acceptable. People are like, Oh, okay. Do you do your process? That's cool, whatever. You know, instead of Yeah. Are you crazy, lady? What you know? <laughs> well, I think it comes down to like matching with higher vibe people. Mm. Like I think that what I attracted in my life is someone who's um on a soul level. Like, even if they don't practice or know anything, it's like, it resonates. Yeah. It's not they're weird. Open. Cause on they're a soul level, they're like, oh, that kind of like makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. but, but a regular 3D masculine or whatever, you know, might be like, fucking weirdo. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> like it was this crazy, lich, crazy witch. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about some of the pagan rituals, um, like, do you have any specific, I know you said a lot about like the seasons or the, um, you know, equinoxes and things like that. And so are there specific, like a ritual that anyone could practice? Like, do you have any like tips or like quick little things that someone could do to connect back to earth? Yeah. My favorite thing, um, I think, cause I'm just such a, a moon girl is to connect with the moon cycles. So um, just getting yourself like a lunar calendar or looking it up online or whatever, and then noticing, watching the moon, noticing how you feel during different moon cycles. Like you might already know the full moon. I have a friend who's like, oh, my God, it's the full moon. I can't even sleep. Like it just keeps her up because she's like buzzing with energy for myself. The time right before the new moon, when you can't see the moon at all and it's dark are usually when I'm like super low energy, I don't want to do anything. I'm like, just leave me alone, everybody. I need to rest. So you'll notice, and it might be different for you. It's different for each person. Mm -hmm. But if you observe it, you'll kind of notice how your energy flows with that of the moon. Um, If you're, if you menstruate, you might have, you notice how your cycle syncs up with it or doesn't, it might move around in different times. I mean, um, but even if you, if you don't like, you can do little practices at the moon. Like I like to, on the full moon, I like to go outside if the, if the weather, you know, is okay. It's it's Maine, so sometimes it's not. But go outside and be in the full moonlight and just like absorb the the rays of the moon. And then around that new moon time, when the new little crescent is being 
born, I like to, that's a good time for divination. So I like to do, give myself a tarot reading and just ask a question like, okay, like maybe there's some issue in my life that I want to know about, or maybe it's just a general reading. How are things going? And just draw cards and see what, what it says. You don't have to use tarot. You could use Oracle cards or runes or any kind of divination. So I like that idea. Yeah, yeah that's actually good for the homework, Danielle. Like one of a couple of those things. I think that seeing how your energy is around the moons is really important. But then also um, the cycle thing. I mean, obviously not all of our listeners are, are, you know, menstruate. But I think that it is important to see which one your men, your cycle is aligned to, because it will give you insight as to what you're doing personally. Like if you're in the full moon cycle, then you're doing a lot of releasing, right? At least to me, like it represents like releasing, letting go. If you're in the new moon cycle, you might be in a period of like manifesting, right? Like, I mean, at least that's been, but it could be opposite for you. It could be like new moon means releasing for you. So that's why you should see like where it lines up, what's happening in your life and see how it connects. Because for me, that was the cycle that mine was on. It was in, it was in full moon for like ever, and then all of a sudden it switched to new moon. And I was like, okay, it's a new cycle for me. It's like yeah. a new start to something like I'm manifesting a new reality, you know? Yeah. And maybe just keep some notes for yourself. I mean, I'm a journaler. I've always kept a journal, but just keep some notes for yourself about what kind of things you feel at each different moon cycle, like what kind of things happen in your life. And then you'll get a, you'll start to see after a few months, you know, how it, cycles around for you mm-hmm. oh that's, that's a good point yeah I need to like write that stuff down I noticed that both me and my mom every time it's a full moon we get really overwhelmed I get really angry and frustrated mm-hmm. and usually I don't personally track the moon but whenever I'm like super on edge I'm like, is it a freaking full moon? And I'll look at the ca- my calendar because I have a full moon calendar and it's always a freaking full moon. Yeah. <laughs> like, You're like, yeah. <laughs> it's a really intense energy. And so that can be really irritating. And, you know, yeah. it also depends, like if you have an astrology reading done, sometimes there's certain, like the way the moon is in your chart, it'll be triggered by certain things. I mean, there's a lot to that, that I'm not an astrologer, so I'm not going to like go into, but if if you're listening to this and you're like, well, what is up with that? Get an astrology reading. That would really help uncover. Yes. We've had a few astrologers on our podcast. So Rosie's go back into episodes and find one that resonates with you because we have some amazing people on. So as we're talking about cycles, Nikki, I know you just wrote a book called follow the ebb and flow. So is that about cycles too? It is. And so this book came out of um, being part of the pagan tradition for many years and knowing that the pagans tend to really follow these cycles of the moon and the sun very closely and um, really live in harmony with the earth in a way that, like, as you mentioned, a lot of us don't these days. Also being part of the new age law of attraction world where people are really good at manifesting what they want, but maybe aren't as familiar. Like we started, um, so my partner Brent and I wrote this book and we started, um, giving talks at this one. Uh, it's called Good Vibe University, which is this amazing love attraction teacher. Jeanette Ma runs it. And we, so we give talks and they were like, 
wait, moon phases? Tell me more. I don't know anything about this. And I was like, okay. So we wrote this book to kind of bridge the two worlds. Because one thing about the pagan world is there's a lot of, and I think it comes from that whole devaluing and being seen as negative. There's a lot of um, scarcity mindset in that pagan world that I think it doesn't need to be there. It's like, you know, some of the pagans are um, you know, like, oh, you don't want to do anything spiritual for money. That's very bad. And I'm like, no, come on, you got to use your talents, whatever they are. Right. I don't think that's, you know, a thing. And so we wrote the book to kind of like bridge those two different worlds. So what we do is we take you through um, a basic little, our take on what is the law of attraction? Because there's also a lot of like myths and stereotypes around that. It's like, oh, just think it and you can have it. And I mean, I mean, kind of, yes, but there's a lot of like work and practice that goes into that. It's not just like waving a magic wand and boom, there you are. Um, so we wrote about what, what the law of attraction is from our viewpoint and then the moon cycles, like what the different moon cycles represent. And then the, the bulk of the book is for each moon in each season, like, for example, the full moon in winter. Here are some practices and things to think about. It's going to be very different from the full moon in summer. Because the energy, it's like the the ebbing and flowing part is like the energy in winter is um, waning. It's not waxing. But if you have a waxing moon in the waning time, well, what does that mean? And so we kind of went through and and came up with some practices and and things to think about for each of those. So, uh, yeah. that's and around like manifesting what you want, because our like joy is like people living the life of their dreams, whatever that is for you. That is beautiful. I really love that. Thanks. Heaven on earth. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That is the point of it. Heaven on earth. Through cycles. Mm -hmm. I do feel like we're meant to live that way. It's just that we, we, that was stripped from us, you know, like the, the thought and the idea of living a heaven on earth was taken away when we started looking outside of ourselves, thinking that, you know, heaven was outside of us, outside of our reality, outside of our current living situation. It was like something that happened once we were gone. (laughs) And then we started always wondering about that. Like, well, how do I get to heaven? Because this sucks, you know? And we started having this like negative swirl around like living on earth. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes from trying to, and I understand why this was done in a way, trying to um, have education and society and everything sort of conform to one being now if you're a teacher and you've got 35 kids in a classroom you kind of want them to conform to some degree because otherwise it's chaos but that tends to tamp down your creative like I know in public school like I was like I learned that oh no you got to give the answers they want to hear in order to get the good grades you know you got to not be yourself in order to fit in and I think all of that tends to to mess us up because our spirits they already know, like you're talking about, like talking to your higher self, your higher self knows you're amazing just the way you are, because otherwise you wouldn't be here. But we forget, like you said, we forget and we, we're, t- oh, I've got to be like these other people or do it this way or, you know, it just gets kind of wacky and then we have to unlearn it. <laughs> we give our power away. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. 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 And the whole point about Get Rose is to take that power back. Yeah. And awaken to the higher truth. Love it. (laughs) Well, Nikki, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight. Um, We really appreciate everything. And um, if, if someone would like to work with you, do you have a website or is that still in the works? 
Yeah, my website is NikkiStarcatShields.com, N-I-K-K-I is how I spell Nikki. And I have my, um, that's my website for working with those who want to write a book, but also it links to my blog, Starcat's Corner, where you can find my own writings and books. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. That's awesome. This was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And so before we let you go, Nikki, we also always assign, I think we can have you pick, which tip do you want to assign for the homework uh, for this week? Um, I like the idea of having a little moon journal. Create yourself a moon journal and then keep notes about the phases of the moon and how you're feeling and what you've been doing. Perfect. Yay. I love that. It was an absolute pleasure to talk with you today, Nikki. I'm so glad um, you came on. I got to learn so much about paganism that I didn't even know before. Um, and I feel I feel better about cycles. So this is a good conversation. <laughs> okay. Yes. It was a pleasure. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, thank you all. Love you all. Bye. Thank you, Rosies. We love you.